Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says this. And if you don't have your Bibles this morning, it's all right. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. I love that picture that the Gospels are painting to us. It says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Everybody shout shine. <clears throat> Come on, everybody shout shine. shine. Shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Notice that people see us, they give glory to God. That's what the Bible's in- indicating. They, don't, they, they see us, but they give glory to someone else. It's not about us, it's about him. Come on, somebody. So today, as we begin our series, Hope at Last, I want to speak to you from the subject, Hope City. Hope City, as we look at what it means to not just have hope, but to give hope. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Jesus, we love you. <clears throat> we thank you for your word. We thank you that now I just pray that it's active and it's powerful, that it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so God, right now, I just pray that you would speak to us, God, that you would teach us, that we would be the city that you've called us to be, a city of hope. And so we love you. Um, teach us right now. Our hearts are open and our ears are listening. We need your voice in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. Okay, show of hands, this is not a trick question. How many of you have ever misunderstood or been misunderstood? Come on, show of hands. You've been in a misunderstanding before. I think, um, I don't know if you would agree with me on this, but most of our relationships are ripe for misunderstandings. I think sometimes at the end of the day, like misunderstandings, they're just a natural part of relationships. Uh, my wife and I, I will say something, she will misunderstand me. She will say something, I will misunderstand her. We will say something to our kids, and they will collectively misunderstand us. It never makes sense. It doesn't go away. And how many of you know when it comes to communication, there is always a moment where misunderstanding can happen, right? A word is said wrong, a facial expression, body language, all of these things. It is a part of everyday communication, misunderstandings happen. I found this the other day. Um, it was actually an Instagram post. They're going to throw it up if we have it. Do we have it? Yeah. Okay, so wife texts husband on a cold winter morning. Windows frozen, won't open. Husband texts back, gently pour some lukewarm water over it and then gently tap edges with hammer. Wife texts back 10 minutes later, computer really messed up now. Let it sink in. Let it sink in. For those of us who use Apple products, this would never happen, so just putting it out there. This is, is rife with misunderstanding. I think misunderstandings happen, and here's what I've come to realize. When it comes to the issue of hope, I think hope is greatly misunderstood. I think many of us misunderstand what hope actually is, and I think for some of us, if we're honest, we believe that hope is a feeling. That we understand hope to be a motive in its makeup. But today I want to adjust our heads and our hearts concerning the issue of hope. And here's what we need to understand today. Hope is not just what we have, it's what we give away. Because it's more than an emotion. Hope in this season should be marked by a willingness not to just try and find hope for ourselves, but rather help others find and experience hope. So hope is more than, a, than an emotion. See, the hope that we have should be a hope that is left behind for generations to come. Come on, somebody. I think it's easy for us to think of hope in terms of what we have or what we get, and it's built off of stuff and things many times. Uh, How many of us, like, our hope just rises during the Christmas season, the minute a tree's put out? 
right? And it seems like everybody's just happier collectively. But then we deal with this thing called the turn of the year. And all of a sudden, everything that everybody was in December is no longer in January. And it's this weird phenomenon that takes place. Have you seen this happen? Then people, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, back to normal life. And here's what I've come to realize. This season with so much surrounding it always brings, it seemingly brings such joy and such hope. But then it leaves us as quickly as it's there. But that's, that's where I want to take issue with. I don't think that hope should leave us. I think hope should be the thing that stations us. And no matter what the season is, I can move into my January and my February and my March, come on, and my April and my May. Why? Because I have a hope that is so much greater than my emotions. See, the hope that you'd have should be left for generations to come. So I don't want us to think of hope emotively. I want us to think of hope as intrinsically connected to who Christ is in our lives. See, as Christians, hope is one of our greatest virtues. For those of us who would say, man, like, Jesus, I, like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Sometimes we don't even necessarily fully realize what that is. But for those of us who say, look, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in process, I'm on a journey. Christians are to be hopeful people. We are to find joy in hope, overflow with hope, boast in hope, hold firmly to our hope, and even give defense of our hope. We are to endure trials because trials produce character, which in turn produces hope. The hope that we have is a hope that does not disappoint, and it's a hope that should be given away. Advent, the coming of Christ, was about the coming of hope. Right? He was hope descended. He was hope incarnate. He was hope with flesh on. He was hope walking among us and for us. He is the hope of healing. He is the hope of our faith. He is hope for the hopeless and hope for a better future. He is the hope that prophets spoke about and the shepherds sought. He is the hope birthed in scandal and raised in anonymity. He is the hope against all tides and the hope of our salvation. The hope that we have in him is the hope that we plan to give away. This is why we are called to be a city on a hill. We are a church that gives away hope should be hope dealers, slinging hope everywhere. I want my life to be a life that doesn't just feel hopeful, but rather a life that is filled with hope so that I can give away hope. Like the Red Hot Chili Pepper said, just give it away, give it away, give it away now. Come on. So this Advent season, I want to reorient the way that we think about hope. Come on, shout hope. Instead of it being something that we simply need, I want us to see it as something that we give away. And uh, as a church, we're, we're talking the same message across all of our campuses today, because as a church, we have been called to be a city within a city. And I don't know if you understand what that concept is, but how many of you know that we walk through our city every single day, and our city is made up of different neighborhoods and different places and spaces, and I'm just wondering if we can be a city within a city that is filled with hope, and because we are filled with hope, we can give away hope. Come on, I don't know about you, but I want people to walk through these doors every single weekend and feel and experience and grab a hold of a sense of hope in their life. I want you to leave here today more hopeful than you came in, and not just because you feel better, but because you understand, I understand, we understand who Jesus is in our lives. Can I get an amen in church today? All right, so let's look at some practical truths concerning hope and how we, we give it away. I need your help this morning. Come on, have a shout number one. Here's the first thing. Hope is a disposition, and therefore it's experience. Hope is a disposition, and therefore experience. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says this. Paul the apostle writing, he says, Now may the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with what? So you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is both filling and overflowing. I love that. In other words, it's a hope that we have and a hope that we give by way of who we are, how we are in the world around us. And I believe that hope should be our disposition. It should be so much of who we are that it literally flows out from us onto others. Hope is filling and it's overflowing. Here's the truth. We can't give away what we don't have. Let me say it another way, all right? We can't pour out what we're not filled with. Here's another way to put it. We cannot deposit what we do not possess. How many of you know if I walked into a bank tomorrow, I like, I like to make a deposit. And they're like, okay, give me your money. They're like, no money, just want to make a deposit. They'd be like, please leave, sir, right now. Security, we got a crazy one, right? Why? Because we cannot deposit what we do not possess. And I think this, this generation, this moment in, in time that we're in, does not need a church with its heads down and its shoulders slumped and a disposition that is broken and fragile and beat up and messed up. It needs a church where its shoulders are back and its heads are raised. Why? Because we have a hope that does not rest in our situations or our circumstances. We have a hope in a God who is so much bigger than what we're looking at. I think that's the time that we're in right now. We're looking at all these different things, right? We're on Facebook telling the world how scared we are of everything that's happening in our world. Stop it! My hope is in Jesus. My hope is not in a political party. My hope is not in financial institutions. My, my hope is not in my job. My hope is not in people. Come on, my time. My hope is in Jesus. My Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because he's unchanging, I have hope. It's an interesting phenomenon that takes place when we try to give out of empty. And I believe that's so often what we try to do. We try to pour out what we do not have. See, hope has to be in us before it can come out of us. We have to settle today that hope is to become our disposition so that it can be what we deposit. So that it can be what we give to others. See, I want Julie to get around me, and the minute she's around me, she's like, oh, I feel, I feel, I feel hope. Right? I want Andrew to get around me and go, man, Jason's world, it's it, it, like there's stuff going on, and there's chaos, and there's frustration, but I'm around him. He has a hope that's not based upon any of those things. He has a hope that's, I want to be, I want to be around that. I want people to feel hope whenever, I want people to walk into the well and go, man, that place is hopeful. It's people full of hope. And our situation may not warrant it. Your situation may not warrant it. Your circumstances may not look hopeful. But can I tell you that in Christ, we can be full of hope. So it doesn't have to be what it looks like. We can be so. We are a hope city. A city set on a hill. A light that is shining. That, that's a place of hope right there. I want to go, go to that place. That's a, a place of hope in, in dark moments. So the first thing is this is that hope is a disposition and therefore experience. Have you ever been set off by somebody's disposition before? Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, how many, of you, how many of you have ever been in a good mood before? And then you get around that person who's Eeyore? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And the minute, the minute you get around them because their disposition's different, they change the atmosphere, they change everything that's going on. I'm like, I don't want to be that type of person. 
I want to be the type of person that's so full of hope that when someone gets around me, they got no other, like, choice but to, like, ooh, ooh. What was that? Just got some hope put on me. Just got around that person. They were so encouraging. They were filled with something more than their situation. I just got hope. I wonder if we can be those type of people. I want to be a hope-filled person in my marriage. I want to be a hope-filled leader. I want to be a hope-filled friend. I want to be a hope-filled pastor. I want to be a hope-filled person because I'm full of hope, filled to the brim. I'm overflowing. So hope is a disposition, so therefore it's experience. Number two, every shot number two? I love this one. Hope is a declaration and therefore spoken of. Hope is not quiet. Come on, somebody. Hope is not quiet. I'll try that one more time. Hope is not quiet. Come on. We're like, why do you guys like to be so loud here at church? Because hope is not quiet. Hope is not quiet. At the end of the day, Psalm 145, 1 through 7, I exalt you, my God the King, and bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness they give a testimony they will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness that just makes me pumped right i do not think if we're going to be a city on a hill a hope city i don't think we should be a quiet church i've said this i've said this before and i will continue to say i think a quiet church is a dead church but a hope-filled church is a loud church it's a church with a shout both both with our vocal cords and with what we do. We make noise. We make noise. I know when my kids are up. Come on, and all the parents said. <laughs> I know when my, when my kids are up. This is how my two-year-old daughter gets up. She does not get up screaming and crying. We have a monitor next to our bed still. And when she, like, we know, it, we can almost tell how she wakes up. She wakes up and she's like, oh, Hi. And she starts talking about nonsense. I have no idea. She's happy. She's not crying. She's not yelling for us. To go. She's just talking to herself. She's talking to her stuffed animals. And then you'll walk into her, and she'll be laying. She lays like this on her side, right? She'll be laying, and you'll walk in, and she'll go, hi, Daddy. And I'll go, hi, Bell Bell. She's up. Well, it's 630. But sure, why not? All right? You know when your kids are up. You know when there's a, a, a good thing going on and a not so good thing going on. And I actually think that hope is a declaration. It's, it's loud. It's vocal. In other words, we need to have hope on our lips. What are we declaring this Advent season? What are we speaking and saying to those around us and those close to us? Do we speak with the language of hope or do we speak with the language of disappointment and discouragement and disdain? Do we speak with the language of attitude and frustration and doubt? Or are we a people that declares the goodness of Jesus? Are we a people that declares the greatness of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus? You mean this whole thing is about Jesus? Yes, it's about Jesus. See, hope is a declaration, and it's one that should be heard. I want to say this. Hope is a declaration that should be stronger than our perspective. 
Let me say that one more time. Hope is a declaration that should be stronger than a perspective. Do you say what you see, or do you see what you say? You hear that? Do you, do you say what you see, or do you see what you say? In other words, is my perspective defined by my declaration, or is my declaration defined by my perspective? And I think for many of us, we see what we see, and so we say what we see. I declare what I see, and we've got to reverse this. See, hope does not declare what it sees. Hope sees what it declares. And when I'm making a proclamation about something, I'm allowing my perspective to be defined and realigned by my proclamation. And there's a huge difference. Numbers chapter 13, verse 21 through 33, tell the story of Moses sending out 12 spies into the land, into the promised land. Joshua and this dude named Caleb were a part of this party, and they would go in all covert ops, and they would check out the land, and they would spy it out, and they would, they would come back to the children of Israel, and all who would gather, they'd come back to Moses, and they'd see, like, hey, look, check out the fruit. The fruit's awesome. Amazing fruit in this promised land. This is the land that, that God has taken to us. They'd say, yeah, it surely does. Watch what happens. Let's read from verse 27. It says, they reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. And indeed, I love this, indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey. And here's some of its fruit. However, how many of you love the word however? I'm sorry, however. I hate the word however, but this is what they say, verse 28. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, all the ites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. Here's Caleb. I love this guy. He quieted the people. Josh! Quiet him. The people in the presence of Moses and said, after he heard this report, he said, let us go up now and take possession of the land. I love, that's a hope-filled declaration. Let's go now. 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 Right? And take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack these people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report. Here's what I've come to realize. When we have no hope, we will always have a however. Did you hear that this morning? When we have no hope, we will always have a however. See, when I don't have hope, I'll always look at the circumstance and the situation in front of me, and I'll be like, how, like I know God's good, however... Like, I know that God can heal me, however. I know my marriage isn't going the way that I need it, and God is, is well able, however. Have you seen the problems? Am I, am I talking to the church this morning? See, when we have no hope, we will always have a however. But I've come to realize when we do have hope, we will always have a let's go at once. When I have hope, I am willing to walk into everything that God has for me. Why? Because I no longer have a however, because my let us go at once is attached to who God is. He is the hope in my salvation. He is the hope in my soul. That's why Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors won God's approval. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was made from things that are visible, are not visible. 
See, we can't always see hope, but we can always declare hope. Because hope is not about what we see, but rather who we know. That's what I love about Joshua and Caleb, right? The other guys, yeah, here's the fruit, but what they saw, what they saw in the promised land was giants and people that they believed that they couldn't defeat. I wonder what we see. Do we say what we see, or do we see what we declare? Do we have hope this season? Because I don't know about you, but I want to have hope this season. I want to have a hope that outlasts my circumstance. Oh, come on. I want to have a hope that outlasts the, the report from the doc. I'm going to have hope that outlasts all the things that are happening around me. I want hope that drives me into the promised lands of my process, the things that I'm going through every single day, every single week. At the end of the day, we all have stuff. We all have things. We all have things to be hopeless about. We all have perspectives that could not match up. But I just want to declare today that hope is a declaration, that we can declare different things than what we are actually seeing in our lives. All right? So hope is a declaration. So we need to shout it out. Number three. Every shout number three? Come on, every shout number three like you have hope. Here you go. Hope is a discipline and therefore should be put to action. Hope is a discipline and therefore should be put to action. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 to 12 says this. Even though we are speaking this way, dearly loved friends, in your case we are confident of things that are better and that pertain to salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you demonstrated for his name by serving the saints and by continuing to serve them. Now we desire each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until the end. So that you won't become lazy but will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. This is where hope gets practical. Hope is practical. Come on, return to your neighbor this morning and say hope is practical. What do I mean by that? Hope is tangible and it's benevolent. It is tactile and productive. It is future-focused and legacy-minded. Hope builds and sends. Hope are homes in Mexico and transitional housing for those being rescued from trafficking. They are campuses and buildings within our city. Hope are tags on a giving wall for gifts under a tree. Hope is food on a plate and clothes on the back. Hope are teams working with kids and with youth, standing at doors greeting, making coffee for all who will come through those doors of a building that is open to anybody and everybody that will come in. Hope is downtown and hope is in Sandy. Hope is in communities yet to be pioneered. Hope is you, hope is me, hope are the hands and the feet that bring the good news of a gospel that tells us that there is grace so great that it conquered, that it conquered the grave. It's hope. It's what hope is. And we all clap on that part. We love that part until I tell you the next part. Because it's practical. You know, I'm, I'm super pumped about this. By the end of this year, after we write a check, check this out. Our church is going to write a check to Redemption House for $100,000. That's what our church is going to do. This church. By the time it's all said and done towards the end of the year, through Redemption House and all of our foreign and local outreach programs, our church will have given away in excess of almost $180,000 this year. This year alone. Why? Because our church believes that hope is practical. Right? See, it takes resource to do these things. We've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. Next weekend, December 8th, is our, our building initiative offering. 
right? And what's really cool about this moment is the building got stripped away from us. Praise the Lord. We had to rework some things, but this is what it's done to me. It's caused me to go back a little bit and just reinforce what the vision is. Because how many of you know the vision is not, like church is not a building, right? I mean, it helps during the wintertime for sure. Because you all love heat, okay? But at the end of the day, spaces and places are where people come to. Because it creates trust and it creates legitimacy. And somebody told you to come here for your first time because the doors were open. They said, you got to come check out this church. you got to come check out this. It's places and spaces. And so as we give next week, we are giving towards the vision and the, and the reality that more spaces and more places, bigger spaces and bigger places are needed for the well to continue to be a hope city. Come on, somebody. And that's what it is next weekend. And so I know for many of us, we've been praying and considering what that's going to be. And I want to just encourage you, like my family is, let's believe God big and let's go for it. Because there's more in front of us as a church. That's one of the ways we're going to be practical at the end of year. Our end of year giving is a really big deal around here. It sets us up for strength. It sets us up to be able to do everything that God is calling us to in 2020. A decade. We're closing out a decade. That's insanity. But how many of you know the decade in front of us is so significant? God's got bigger purposes and bigger plans. The second thing is this. One of the ways that we make this practical, and we're talking about this this year, is what we call our visionaries team. And this is for those of us who believe that God has called us and graced us and gifted us to give generously above and beyond our normal giving. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8 talks about that. It actually says that some of us have been blessed with a gift. How many of you think that Rachel, she's an amazing singer, right? And these guys are amazing, like amazing musicians and, and amazing uh, bass players. I'm trying to think of what you were playing a second ago. And, and drummers right over here, like this thing that makes all the noise. Like that, these guys are awesome. And how many of you know that we need people who are gifted at this to be up here? That should get a better amen, right? Right? You're like, no, I don't really want gifted people up there. Um, everybody's gifted a certain way, but the Bible actually talks about that those who are gifted with the gift of generosity. And so we have a team around here called Visionaries. And what they do is they are people who believe that their call, part of their call is to give above and beyond their normal giving. And this creates resource for global engagement, local impact, generational reach, church planting, growth, and future expansion for a church. And that's a team of people who have given it in excess this year of about $80,000. And that's a small group of people. And they're saying, no, we want to see this thing move forward. And so what we're asking is, is we're letting you know this year as we head into the new year, for those of us here on the downtown campus that think to themselves, man, I would love to be a part. I, I actually feel like that's, that's a gift set in me. I want you to do me a huge favor. This, this is going to come up on the screen right now in just a minute. There it is. Nope. Do we have, do we have that one? It's the visionaries. It's the visionaries one, Bob. There we go. Cool. So if you do me a massive favor, if that's something that you would say, man, 2020, I want to be a part of something like that, text visionaries to 77222. And you're going to get a bunch more details. Like, we're going electronic around here. This is crazy. All right? We're getting all fancy, okay? So text visionaries to 77222. And we're going to help you understand uh, what some of the next steps for visionaries is going to be. The third thing that we're doing to make this practical as we close the year out is our giving wall. It's our giving wall. So out in the lobby, you're going to find our giving wall. And on that is going to have some tags. We here at The Well are supporting an amazing ministry. And uh, these people actually call The Well home as well uh, because he first loved us. 
is uh, this year the recipients of our giving wall. And uh, they're going to take all the gifts that we give as a church, and they're going to make sure families and children who otherwise wouldn't be able to have Christmas this year are going to get those gifts and presents. And so I want to encourage you after service, grab a tag. Come on, somebody. This is, a, this is a big deal. So these are some of the things that we are, that we are doing to provide gifts for people. Pra- it's practical all the way. Hope is practical. We give hope away. Can we just be that church? I want to say this, and I said it in Sandy today, and I want, to, I want to say it now. We cannot be afraid as a church to talk about resource. At the end of the day, the houses in Mexico that we just built, we got another trip going in February. They didn't cost Monopoly money. Right? Each house was $10,000 to buy that home. Our church purchased two houses this year. And if we become a church, if we become a church that is not afraid to talk about this stuff, we will be a church that builds more and more houses, builds more and more shelters, right? Builds more and more things in order to give hope away. Come on, am I talking to anybody in church today? The fourth thing is this. The last thing that hope is, that hope is a decision and therefore it must be chosen. Hope is a decision, and therefore must be chosen. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible (laughs) and glorious joy, because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I've come to realize that hope is a decision, and therefore it must be chosen. Come on, show hands. Let's just be honest right now. This is not like a trick question. How many, is, how many of us in here has ever chosen fear before? How many of us have ever chosen anxiety before? How many of us have chosen hatred and bitterness, right, and unforgiveness? They're all choices. Every single day we have a choice before us. What, what are we going to choose? That's what I love about God. Because at the end of the day, I still have free will. If we want to get deep and theological for a moment, that like we have free will in all of this. God gave the gift, but I still got to choose whether I want that gift or not. I've still got to choose whether I'm going to engage in that gift. Or I'm going to still choose if I pick that gift up, unwrap it, and assimilate it into my life. I got to choose. I guess the question I want to ask us today is what are we choosing? Because if we're choosing hope, the only way we can do that is by choosing Jesus. 
If we're going to choose hope, the only way we can do it is by choosing Jesus. Why? Because hope is not in a feeling. Hope is not in stuff and things. Hope is not in a church. Hope is not in a person. Hope is not in a relationship. Hope is not in a job. Hope is not in a political power. Hope is not in finances. Hope is not in popularity. Hope is not in education. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have or don't have. Hope is not found in addiction. Hope is not found in any one thing that we can think of. Hope is chosen and found in Jesus. It's where hope's found. So I choose it. And here's what I've come to realize. Without Jesus, I don't have hope. I just have excitement. Let's go back to how we started this message out. Without Jesus, hope is not possible because hope is not any of those things. I just have excitement. So for those of us that don't have hope connected to Jesus, we're just excited about this season. We love the gingerbread smell the Christmas trees and the gifts and the joy and the stocking. Like, we love the, the, the snow and all the nostalgic feeling that comes back for some of we, we love that, but that's just excitement because it changes after the first of the year. But with Jesus, I'm choosing hope. And my hope's not based on a season. My hope is based on someone who's in every season of my life, no matter what I'm facing. 